Now I'm thinking, well, me and as a model, I mean, they must be crazy. There's no way I could be a model. I mean, I'm not beautiful. Nobody thinks I'm, you know, that girl. Then I went to meet Anna Winter. That what was, was a that big like? Thing. Oh. From ABC, it's No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game, trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there, and all the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. On today's episode, we caught up with supermodel Carolina Kirkova when she was in town for New York Fashion Week. Carolina Kirkova grew up in a small village in the Czech Republic, and she found her way into modeling on a total lark. You have to hear this story. On this episode, she talks about being an outsider, finding confidence, being the youngest person in history to be on the cover of American Vogue. She was just 16 years old when that happened. And she also talks about becoming an entrepreneur. And at the end, she even sings a little opera. Believe me, this blew us all away. Here is Carolina Kirkova. Are you ready? I'm 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 ready. Carolina Kirkova, welcome to No Limits. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here. And you're in town, so New York Fashion Week is happening right now. So I would imagine you're here and in that world kind of heavily. Yes. Take us inside of that world. New York Fashion Week in New York City. Um it's happening. You know, it's busy. Um, it's lots of traffic. I'm sure New Yorkers don't like <laughs> Fashion Week um, in New York. Cause it, it, it is it's, harder it, to get around the city. Yes. Um, and you see people in the streets. Everybody's doing They're all dressed selfies, perfectly. You know, or their paparazzi taking pictures of them, street style, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's amazing. I think it, it, it does bring an amazing energy to New York. You see people from all of the world getting together. You see how people wear trends, you know, how they express themselves. Because fashion is really how you express yourself, right? How if I don't have a chance to talk to you, I kind of create a picture of you depending what you're wearing, what fashion right. I'm wearing and how you move. It's a language. And absolutely. Um, so I always say to everybody, you know, always remember what you put on. Is it, does it represent you the way you want to be represented? I said to a lot of, you know, young girls that if I mentored them or whoever comes to my house, I said, remember that it's, people are always looking and they don't always, you, you might never have a chance to express yourself and talk to them about your interests, or your passions. That's just how it is. We look at people and we kind of create an image or, yeah, image of who we think they are. You know, they must be this because they dress like this or it's just human nature. So how did you see yourself? You grew up in Czechoslovakia. You're on the cover of Vogue at 16, yes? That's correct. So how did you get started? So, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, I grew up in a small town in the Czech Republic. My dad was a pro basketball player, so I would go see him play basketball every weekend and practice and, you know, spend a lot of time on the basketball court and, and, and being his cheerleader and being exposed, him playing and and all that. But at the same time, my dad was the captain of criminal police because back in the day, athletes, even though they were pro athletes, they had jobs. They were just playing on the weekend or after their normal work, their normal job. It was almost like a hobby. 
Yeah, but even it was even pro. though they were pros. Exactly. It's not like now. Now the level of competition it's so high you can't do anything else. I mean, you know, you are pro and that's what you do and 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 I mean now a lot of the pros, I mean, they have companies, they have their you know, they have their brands. So when I was like 11, 12, I was very sporty, I was great at school, but I grew up in a small town and at that age I looked different. I was different. I was the tallest of my class, tallest of my school. So people always used to look at me, point at me, laugh, you know, how I look. I had long legs, long arms. I was like Olivia from Popeye. You know, I was very (laughs) tall and long and lengthy and goofy. And, you know, I had big teeth. I didn't know, like, how to, you know, smile with my big teeth. I don't know. I was just... I was just very different and I didn't feel like I didn't feel beautiful, I didn't feel confident and just because the surrounding was so different compared to my body type and how I was and so I just, you know, was insecure and didn't think I was beautiful and hated taking pictures. Oh, did not like taking pictures. If you look at my pictures from that time, it was like eh, smile, eh. didn't like smiling. You know, I was just insecure and I think every girl maybe in that age, you go through that yes. period, right? Because you're discovering yourself, your body. You're not a little girl, but you're not a woman. And so a friend of mine at that time wanted to be a photographer from my class. And she said, you know, can we take a few pictures in your room? And, you know, it was very naive and goofy. And it was like lip gloss was like a lot of makeup. That's what, <laughs> you know, back then, that's how it looked. You know, it was very innocent picture. And, and without telling me, she sent it to an agency in Prague. So then we get this phone call from this modeling agency in Prague and they said, you know, would you want to model? We saw your picture. We would love to meet you. Are you interested in this? First, my friend didn't tell me that she's going to send it to an agency. So I wanted to kill her. Second, I'm thinking, well, me and as a model, I mean, they must be crazy. There's no way I could be a model. I mean, I'm not beautiful. Nobody thinks I'm, you know, that girl that wants they want to date or is the beauty queen. And so then I, I said that to my parents and we said, well, why don't we just give it a try and go to Prague and meet them and see how it goes. So we went. I went with my parents and I met them. And we what said, was that meeting like? Was that because I would imagine you're how old at this point? I was 14. 14 years old. You're meeting with executives from this industry who are showering you with praise, telling you that you're going to be the next hottest thing and a millionaire and... No, I, it was in the Czech Republic, you know, it was, <laughs> so it's not like in York or somewhere big in the world. They, and they, they didn't, say you've got it. Um, They didn't say, oh, you're going to have this and this. I mean, they thought that I have the height. Um, I mean, they didn't know me. They just saw one picture. Obviously, you know, I need to do more pictures to build my portfolio, my book, and they had to see how... I am with people. I'm in front of camera. Am I shy? Can I change? What's my look? What's, you know, all those things. I mean, they didn't know then. So it wasn't, they were promising me a lot. They just thought, you know, if I would be interested, they think I have the look and it could be something interesting. I was at school at that time. And, but with my parents, we said, you know, why don't, if you want to give it a try, my parents said, if you want to give it a try, we'll support you. We'll drive you to Prague because I didn't live in Prague. I live in a smaller town. How far like, away was Like Prague? an hour and a half from Prague. So, you know, my dad or my mom had to, like, come with me, drive me there for castings. And and that time in, in, in my country, there was not really that much to do for 14-year-olds in fashion. You know, it was more like maybe commercial for water or little teenager magazines with, like, two <laughs> ponytails or braids. You know, so that was 
kind of stuff I could do and I did at the beginning. But it was interesting. If you remember, I said I didn't like being photographed in that time. But then when I started to build my portfolio and work with the professionals, the photographers, something like clicked and it was like, I've done this before. It was the strangest mm. thing. Like I knew what to do. I understood the light and, you know, I kind of felt comfortable. And then, yeah, I would do, I remember I would do runway shows. I was like the youngest girl. I'd be like 15, 16 modeling like women's clothes, you know, like like <laughs> gowns and or like working suits. And all the other girls would be like 18, you know, they had you know, the cleavage, <laughs> you know, and here I was this 15, 16 year old girl and I would show up and I would like have my walk and do, 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 do. And you would never think I was 16. But I remember when I would go to castings, the people would say, how old are you after I walked, you know, like on the casting? So I'm 16. They're like, you're so young, but you're so good. Like, this is crazy. You know, so this was kind of my beginning in, in the Czech Republic. And then and my first thing in, in into the world outside of Czech Republic, really into the high fashion world, was when a casting director from London spotted me and introduced me to Miucha Prada. And they liked me. They booked me for the exclusivity for the show. So I had to go for two weeks in Milan where all the collection was made on me. The fitting, all the looks. What did all um, your high school friends at this point think of this? You know, I didn't really share much with them. Like when I was at school, I was me. Mm-hmm. They knew. I didn't really talk about what I'm doing because I didn't want to make them feel bad. And also, I was ve- I'm very private in that mm-hmm. way. I'm not like, oh my god, this isn't it so great? Look at me. I'm very thoughtful of others, and you know, I just. This was kind of what I was doing. and This was, I was pre-Instagram, too. So exactly. you could do it. Exactly. So nobody really knew unless I told them. And it was all happening in Prague or in the world. Exactly. If I was in Italy, unless I showed them picture or shared it with them or them being there, they wouldn't maybe even believed. It's not like now I, you, you can, as you said, you can snap a picture or make a video, post it. I was kind of enjoying it for the moment. And, um, you know, my parents always were big on languages and they thought, you know, if I can travel and learn English and really speak to people who don't speak my language, they thought that was the best. You know, they they did grow up during the communist time, so they didn't really get to have those opportunities and to travel. I mean, my father did because he was a pro athlete and he was part of the elite group. Sure. So he got to travel. So they really thought that was really important. And that was the future. Yeah, nobody How knew I- that 18 years later, you know, because now I've been in the industry 18 years. Wow. That I'll be still here, I'll be in the world. And- <laughs> what was it early on? Because I would imagine that you saw things when you were 16 in the industry that might have surprised you. I mean, your parents, did they travel with you all the time? Because they came with you originally to Prague. <laughs> Yes, they would come with me on the castings and everything. And then when I came to Italy for Prada, I went actually with another model from my agency from Czech who was a little bit older. So I stayed with her for two weeks. So that was nice. It was somebody I knew and she was older and she was with my agency and my parents knew her. But I have to say, I've always been very independent from a very young age. I have a younger brother. And growing up where I grew up, you know, we didn't have nannies. Like if you had, you were the older sibling, you would help out with the yes. younger sibling. You will pick him up from school 
or you'll come home this together. This is what I did with my younger sister. You know, I'm the older sister. I took care of my sister after school every day. You made sure they did their homework. You helped with the snack. And then, you know, my mom would come home. <laughs> snack, yes. You know, beat each other up because, you know, of course, my brother would never listen to me. Maybe the phone, too. I don't know if you guys fought oh, over no. the phone. Oh, we, we would no fight phone. over the phone. We, we had one phone in the house, so we would, my sister and I would fight all the time about who's you on the phone. F- like a cell phone or no, like a landline? like the landline phone. And there was this rule in our house that you had, I don't remember how much time you had, but you had to get off the phone after a certain amount of time because at that time, it would be busy. Whoever called in would get the busy signal. And we would totally lie to each other about how long we had been on the phone and then have massive arguments about who had been on the phone too long. Anyway. That's funny. So you, yeah, you and we your brother I don't think so. We, I don't know if we had even land phone. Yeah, we really? Didn't, you didn't even have a landline? Maybe we did, but not many people did. But I do remember my first cell phone when I was 16 and I was going then to Paris. And it was literally a brick. I think my dad still has it somewhere in the storage. It was the first phone. It was with the antenna. It looked like a brick. And, you know, it's 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 hard to believe that now we have these beautiful, slick, small phones that do so many things, FaceTimes and all that kind of stuff, where, you know, when I started, it wasn't even around. So when I really left, you know, I, I mean, I was lucky that I had cell phone I could call and send a picture, probably crappy, you know, picture, <laughs> not like beautiful pictures like you get to send out now to your friends and family. But... Yeah, those were the beginnings. Uh, And then going back to your questions, um, it was surreal. Absolutely. You know, when I would travel the world and I would be around people that maybe I've seen on TV or royalties and I'm sitting having dinner with a royalty, you know, and it's but it, it was exciting. It was nerve wracking. But I feel like I always held a really good head on my shoulders, Um, you know, just being polite, being nice, you know, I had to learn very early on, you know, about proper eating and the forks and knives. And it wasn't, I mean, I learned, I think, a lot of those things also at home. I mean, my parents are very, um, you know, good parents and they want to teach you. Yeah, they, they, you know, they taught us that from very young age, good manners, sitting down for a meal and, you know, just having those good manners, saying thank you and you're welcome. And, you know, so we would go places. So I kind of, so early on how he handled it and how he worked and how he dealt with people. I mean, both of my parents are incredible people. People love my parents. You know, they're fun. They were always like the more modern parents, you know, who were fun and dress well. And um, but at the same time, they had, you know, the good values. How old were you when you moved to New York? So when I first came to visit New York, I was 16. I did Fashion Week here. I went to see the casting director at American Vogue. And then I met all the editors like Grace Cuddington and Tony Goodman and Phyllis Posnick. And then I went to meet Anna Winter. That what was, was a that big like? thing. Oh, um, You're the second guest, by the way, on No Limits, who had a, a very important meeting with Anna Wintour. At age 16. And again, this is... You were younger. You're younger. <laughs> Amy Astley is the, was was at Vogue for a yes, very long I know, span Amy, of her well. career. Now at Architectural Digest. Anyway, she gave a great story. Continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I, I love Amy. She's actually my neighbor oh, in, uh, in New York and so Tribeca. Cool. She is awesome. I, I love Amy. What an amazing person, a mom, and a friend. Um, awesome. If Amy's listening, we say hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, meeting Anna Winter, I was 16 years old. And, you know, we have to explain people. 
I didn't grow up. We didn't have the internet. We didn't really have. I think we did. Maybe had a computer in my in my house in the Czech Republic because you know we had that. But it's not like it's now. You couldn't just Google things. You we didn't have Vogue in the Czech Republic. I mean, we had only like one magazine, and you know, it's not like what we have now. And you you're not exposed to things as much. So. Only thing really what I knew, it's maybe what people told me or from my own experiences. And when you're starting out, I mean, I didn't know like how the business works and, you know, nobody was mentoring me like, okay, this is what you do and don't. And so when I went to meet Anna, all my agents and everyone was like, well, what are you going to wear? What are you going to talk about? What are you going to say? What if she asks you this? And, da, da, da. and I was like, ah, uh, you know, I'm 16 years old. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm just going to be me. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. You know, <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's overwhelming. And, totally. and, and I think... They made me more nervous because of they were so nervous. Uh, but meeting her, it was it, it was great, and it was still in the old Condenas building. And so when you walked into her office, she, her desk was all the way at the end. So you really, you know, you have to walk, and she's sitting behind the desk, and and then you know I sat down in front of her, and I was just me. I was. Carolina from the Czech Republic, you know, I've always been very like goofy and positive and and smiley and 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 she was very serious and she was very nice. She asked me, I don't remember actually now all the questions she asked me, but they were very nice questions like where you from and um I I don't remember now exactly, but she was very very nice, you know, I, I, she was not scary or anything and you know, I feel like then she took me kind of under her wing. I spent a lot of time in her home in in New York with her own children, Charlie and B, because we were kind of the same age. So I think she kind of, you know, understood, you know, that I'm this girl from another country. I'm 16 and she has kids her same age. So I kind of became, you know, friend of the family and she always welcomed me, welcomed me into her house. And, and she was very supportive. And then I went to meet... Steven Mizell at age 16 and then that was it I did a first photo shoot for Vogue with Arthur Elgort and Phyllis Bossing it was like a beauty story in Paris in France in the countryside I, I feel like this was like my first test you know they were testing me because I was very young and see just to see can you do it can I do it you know who am I as a person how I'm going to look in front of camera can I handle it that was my first one. And then the second one was meeting Steven Mizell. And I did a, the first, the most important story, the September issue story with Grace Cunnington and Steven Mizell. That's where Garen cut my bang. Um, Pat gave me, you know, the darker eye. So that was kind of my signature look. And we did the whole story inside. And then the last day, Steven said, we're going to go outside. You know, again, I didn't think anything off of it. But I, I thought, strange, we shot everything inside that we're going outside. But... Okay. I remember I was wearing this beautiful Louis Vuitton skirt and a jacket. It was a beautiful day. And we were outside. And Stephen goes, what do you want to listen to? I want you to walk and I want you to smile. And I said at that time, Madonna, Madonna, you know, holiday or whatever I was listening to. And then, yeah, I was walking up and down. And from that moment, that was the cover. And it's interesting, you know, smile. That was not something I did a lot back then because yes. I was not comfortable even with my smile my big teeth well I don't know should I smile I don't know how to smile and then you know really was like Carolina smile you have a beautiful smile you should just smile and you smile so much like do it 
And it was fun, yeah. And that's um, that's what became my first American Vogue cover, and still to this day, you know, I'm the youngest girl ever to be on the cover of American Vogue. I'm not American. I didn't have a movie coming out. I was not dating a rock star. I don't know even how it happened and why. And but you know, I'm so grateful. And yeah, and that was the beginning, and the rest, the rest is history. <laughs> wow, I love that story. So. When you look back on all of this, what was the biggest surprise? I think how I was welcomed into the industry, um, you know, no being from this country and being, you know, an immigrant and kind of, you know, being, yeah, from somewhere else. And, you know, I spoke English, but not as good as I speak now. I work with an like a English teacher to really perfect my English because I said, well, if I'm going to spend more time in the U.S. and, you know, I want to work here, I want to have the opportunity to learn the best English that I can. Of course, I learned at school back home, but the way they taught us was, how are you? Where are you from? You know, these people never traveled. So I really was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take this minute to really educate myself and to have a proper English um, education and um, also at that time I took some acting classes you know I was always about like how can I enrich myself and be better and yes I have to work if I want to then stay in US you know I don't have my parents bank account that can support me and um, I knew I had to you know be kind of on my own and do it and you know I love to work my parents work and I like to be independent and if I want things I want to get them because I work for it so that was always kind of natural to me, and and that's what I did. And, um, yeah, it was all surreal and incredible and beautiful. And, you know, I had my highs. I had my lows. I had people who believed in me, people who didn't believe in me. I mean, uh, but I think the people that didn't believe in me or wanted to put me in some sort of box, that was my drive. That's mm. what really pushed me to into no limits. You know, I didn't want to be limited. I don't like being limited. I don't want to be told, oh, you can only do this. Oh, you are that. If I know I'm not just that. I knew I could be the girl who could be in vogue, but I could do, you know, something commercial, but I could do I could be the boy, but I could be the glamazon. I could be the nineteen twenties movie star, but I could be um you know, the little girl, very naive and innocent from the Czech Republic. I could be all of that. So, yeah, that's what became my drive. You seem like someone who really knows yourself. And one of the points that you made that I really like, and it's something that comes up here a lot, is this idea of the outsider. Because so many people feel like an outsider, but ultimately that can be your greatest strength. Well, thank you. Um you know, I think, I mean, I'm not 16 anymore. I'm now 34. So I've definitely matured and I've experienced. And you learn to kind of know yourself and accept yourself more and more. I think, you know, and I'm still, I still have time to explore and evolve and learn much more about myself, right? And my ultimate goal is to best, to be the best that I can be. I'm a perfectionist. I'm the hardest critic. I'm the hardest person on myself. Whatever I do, whether it's in modeling, whether it's me as a mom, as a wife, as a friend, as a daughter, that I'm being the best that I can be, which can be exhausting at times yes. because, of course, you know, uh, you can be all of that all the time. 
Um, but I think as long as we are making the effort to grow from it, learn from things and to reach out and, and to be curious and pick up a great book or listen to great motivational speakers or listen to other people's stories that we can learn from. And going back to your parents, too, and, you know, kind of saying thank you, acknowledging them for who they were. Um, but when I became a parent, I just... It really brought me so close to my parents, and I'm so grateful I have them in my life. I have two boys now, and, you know, they're now with us. I'm based in Miami. They're now with the boys as I'm here with you, Rebecca, and, you know, they get to be grandparents. They get to see my children, to grow and spend time with them. My boys get to see their grandparents, you know, and and, and learn about my heritage, my upbringing. And, you know, and and we love when we go back to Czech Republic in the summers where we go every summer and spend time in my grandma's house, you know, where she has chickens and you get to pick your fresh, warm egg and then you cook it for breakfast or you climb a tree to get an apple or cherries, Um, sit on, on, on the grass and and, and cook sausage in an open fire. You know, that stuff is so important. So important. But you sometimes, again, it's like if you come full circle, you don't think yes. that's so cool. You know, we grew up somewhere and then we want to go to the world. We want to experience something that we didn't grow up with. And then, you know, we come back and we appreciate where we come from. And, and, and it's so beautiful. I, I, I really, it, it's very, it's a special time for me. And I'm really enjoying that. And, and it's magical. You you mentioned your curiosity and your hunger to be your best self. You have now been not just in the modeling industry for many years, but you've been in the acting industry. You've been an actor for many years. And now you are going into business as an entrepreneur. What led you to do that? Well, being in an industry for 18 years, working with the best brands in the world and being exposed to so much, um, you know, I wanted to kind of go be creating the vision myself, not just being part of it where I'm in front of it, but also go behind it. And my new brand that I'm a co-founder of, it's a kid's brand. You know, I, I just shared with you how I grew up in the countryside a lot and was exposed to very, the nature and natural things. So if I was sick, my grandma will go to her garden and, and take the plant or flower and make some sort of horrible tea from, <laughs> you know, the plant. And she said, this is good for your sore throat or, you know, make all these different potions, which, you know, worked. Were they always delicious? No, but they did work. And that's, you know, how I got into Griffin Ivy Rose, a wellness regimen brand for children. So we look at children inside out and I have incredible partners I have a child, de- child developmental pediatrician, Dr. Cowan, who is based in New York, who I call a kid's whisperer. He also wrote a book called Water Child, Fire Child. And his big thing, it's all—it's on self-esteem, ADD, HDHD. He's been doing 25 years, but his approach is very alternative, very holistic. So he uses acupuncture, meditation, massage, aromatherapy, and all kinds of really cool tools to help children with all kinds of challenges they might have and parents too and Chinese acupuncturist is also our co-founder and herbal mixologist we're all parents and another friend of mine who has identical twins 
and uh, a new baby that she just had. So we're all parents and we wanted to create a brand that really was more alternative, holistic, but very performance driven to assist children and parents with their needs, whether it's the sleep, the gut with probiotics or the mood, immune system boost. Um, and um, that's what we're doing. But those are our products, but really the other important part of our company is to empower, educate, and empower children and their parents. We want empowered children to make better choices, to want to use our products and to be more holistic and healthy and expose them to more alternative practices like the way I grew up, um, like herbs and acupuncture. And, you know, we did an event the other day where we had activity for children where they got to make their own herbal healing oil. What is the worst advice you've received along the way? The worst advice? Well, I think every advice, it's a good advice. Um, I think it's, I like listening to people. I love listening to their stories and see, you know, what they have to say. Um, Has anyone given you advice about the business that you've decided to ignore? Not yet. I feel like the advices I've been given in business have been always very helpful from great resources. Your husband's in business. He is in business. Too. Oh, he has a lot of opinions all the time and a <laughs> lot of advices. Um, yeah, he doesn't like when I don't listen to, to his <laughs> advices and his opinions. Uh, but most of the time I do. I mean, I might kick and scream and disagree. But, you know, there's always something that he's saying that he's right. Um, and, of course, he cares and he loves me and he knows me so well. So, you know, and sometimes truth can hurt, right? When people are right, we want to be like, oh, you're so wrong. But, you know, as long as we take the minute and the beat and really assess it and say, you know what, you were right. And I think that's important at the end of the day that, you know, you're, you look inside and, and you really assess the advice and, and see also where it's coming from. Are they saying it from the heart? Are they saying it because they're jealous? Are they trying to hurt you? Are they trying to put you down? Or do they really care about you? Yes. So I think you really need to take that time. And as I said, maybe meditate to kind of make sure you are in, in this is that great how state you, of mind. If you're working through something, do you meditate? Is that how you make 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 it through? I meditate or I go for a walk. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm in the moment and I'm connected to myself, to my truth, to my deep myself, to really make sure I'm making the right decisions and that I'm just connected. Because it, it's important. When you're connected, you know. You know what's right and what's wrong. Carolina Kirkova, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. I hope we do it again. And we'll post, by the way, listeners, I will post pictures of your products and those original Vogue pictures. I'm going to post that on Instagram along with the post about this episode so you can check it all out. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't sing, though. I feel like I should yeah, sing. Yeah, okay, sing. Give us a little song. Oh, my God. But, okay, I'm not professional. This is okay, the postscript, no, everybody. No, no. <laughs> no. I don't know. I mean, I what sing What song often. do you normally sing? What you know, Do you have a song, a go-to song you, you know, sing? I don't sing one song. I kind you of like a, to hook of this and this. Let's and, hear it. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm now on the spot. Viva per te, chi uno sa, na, 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 na. 
I mean, that's like a little bit of this. Um, or um, that was really, really yeah. impressive. I mean, was, okay, and I, I, I didn't even warm up. You know, didn't the, expect it, you to break out with that. What was uh, that? What was that uh, from? Viva Prete Kionosai. Um, uh, that's Bocelli with another singer. Um, it's called Vivere. That's a first here um, on No Limits. No Limits. You see No Limits. We have, can't have No <laughs> Limits. Okay, if I have No Limits, what else would we sing? What What do you like to sing? You've worked hard enough. You sang for your supper. Thank you so much, Carolina. Thank you, Rebecca. That Thanks was really fun. Me. Next time we'll be doing a duet, okay? Okay. You be Bocelli okay. and I'll be Pavarotti. Okay. <laughs> I'm still very impressed with that opera singing. All right, it's the end of the interview, which means it's time for our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week, where we feature one of you, our amazing listeners, who's building something of your own. And this week's No Limits Entrepreneur is Heidi Zach. She is the co-founder and co-CEO of Third Love, which is a company that she created to build a better bra. You've probably seen it in your Instagram feed. I've seen it in mine. And I have a lot of friends who swear by this bra. Well, Heidi says that like most women, she struggled to find a bra that actually fit well. She was constantly settling for uncomfortable bras until she had her aha moment and she decided to create a company that would make bras to fit a woman's actual measurements and shape rather than the other way around. Here she is to tell you more about it. Hi, I'm Heidi Zach, co-founder and co-CEO of Third Love. Third Love's a direct-to-consumer bra and underwear company. So why did I start it? I actually just hated bra shopping. I was in a Victoria's Secret store with the perfume and the music and all of the product and a woman with the measuring tape and I just walked out of that store with a bra that really didn't fit like I had been doing for most of my adult life and I thought there's got to be a better way and that's why I started the company. Congratulations, Heidi. Wishing you continued success. And remember, listeners, you can head on over to my Instagram at Rebecca Jarvis to hear more from Heidi and how she built her business. Don't forget, if you or someone you know should be featured here on No Limits as the Entrepreneur of the Week, or if you have career questions or you just want to say hello, you can send me an email at nolimitswithrjpodcast at gmail.com. I love it when you write. I am so touched by so many of the things you've all had to say and the ideas you've shared and your stories. It's really cool when you take the time to share that experience. It's also awesome when you take the time to send us a review. Thank you so much for those of you who have been leaving us those reviews, like Scooby40Love, who writes, as a new entrepreneur, it's wonderful to hear these women share their stories and insights. Love Rebecca's warm, friendly demeanor. I'm definitely a huge fan. Well, thank you so much, Scooby40Love. And finally, a shout out to our wonderful team here that helps make this happen week after week. Producer Taylor Dunn, editor Michelle Boncardo, research assistant Annie Osakwe, and the ABC radio team, David Rind, Elizabeth Russo, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelp, and Steve Jones. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. 